0: Hello and welcome to Facing Race. I'm your host, Leila schultz On today's episode, we're talking about Women's History Month. Stay tuned. Okay, it's March and that means it's Women's History Month. And just like with Black History Month, the announcement of Women's History Month always has to come with a, but when is Men's History Month? I mean, I feel like it's pretty obvious, but, well, let's just get this out of the way. Basically, everyday life is already full of events and names and images, right, that commemorate things that men have done. And I mean, just look at a list of major holidays and notice how many are honoring famous men in history. Or, you know, look at the money and coins and, and bills and see who's featured in the pictures. Or even the buildings, you know, look at the buildings and the institutions in your town or city, who I mean most of them are named after men. So basically I I like to say to my students the history we learn is basically men's history by default. So why not at least dedicate some time to looking at women's history? Obviously the reason we need to highlight women's history is that general history lessons already overemphasize men's accomplishments and the truth is that women have achieved plenty throughout history but men often get the credit for their work. So, I mean, I can think of two examples. Uh, The scientist Rosalind Franklin, she was the first to photograph the double helix structure of DNA. But two male researchers, the more well-known Watson and Crick, used her work without permission, and they won awards for the discovery. Or, I know I've mentioned this before on the show, but female R&B singer Big Mama Thornton, she was the first to record the song Hound Dog, but... Elvis Presley later covered the song, it became his number one hit, he sold millions of copies worldwide, and that helped him become the king of rock and roll. So these things happen a lot over the past centuries, and, and obviously men have had significantly more power than women, and a lot of that is because of, there were laws that really gave men more rights. For example, according to History.com, the following rights have been intentionally prohibited for women at some point in the US history voting in elections, owning property, keeping their own earnings, practicing law, serving on a jury, making decisions about their own marriages, making decisions about their own bodies. Of course, powerful men were the ones making these decisions about what women could and could not do. When men hold more power than women in, in various realms, like government or business or domestic life, that's why we call it the patriarchy, that's why it's a patriarchal society. And although women do obviously have way more legal rights nowadays than ever before, many of these pat- patterns of male dominance still exist. And that's why they still need to balance things out by lifting up women's efforts and achievements and voices and, and everything they've done. So I always like to say, you know, representation matters, whether it's for women or people of color or whatever. So. We should want everyone to see examples of women who's been leaders and inventors and trailblazers in as many different fields as possible and initiatives like women's history month can really help us as educators uh, but also just as everyday people kind of find that that representation and showcase a lot of the great accomplishments you know in the end it's always good to remember that celebrating one group of people doesn't take away, it doesn't take anything away from another group. We're not saying that, you know, women is, are, are way more important than men or anything like that. So when we give women the recognition that, frankly, they deserve, it's not hurting anybody else. It's not saying that men haven't done great things in history because obviously they have. It's just highlighting and giving women the, the support, the recognition that they deserve. I don't know. It sounds pretty fair to me. So anyway, let's take this time to highlight some important women for women's history. The first one I wanted to talk about is Sybil Lodington. So she's sort of called the female power veer. And on the night of April 26, 1777, 16-year-old Sybil Ludington rode nearly 40 miles to warn about 400 militiamen that the British troops were coming. And, much like the ride of Paul Revere, her message helped patriot leaders prepare for battle. But, of course, Livington was less than half Revere's age. She rode more than twice as far to carry out the warning. And she never got a poem or anything written about her the way Paul Revere did. Um, So, we didn't really get to to learn about her or hear about her in in history books. But, again, an example of uh, a young woman who... Uh, went above and beyond, and unfortunately isn't always showcased in in the history books. Another example is Claudette Colvin. I think some people know her a little bit more nowadays because they think that she's starting to get some attention, but um, again, a lot of people aren't familiar with her because she didn't really appear in in history books. Uh, She was too tired to give up her seat on a bus home from high school one day uh, in in March in nineteen fifty five so um, Claudette Colvin she refused to move for white passenger and this was actually almost a year before Rosa Parks would would do the same so at the time she was fifteen and she was arrested for violating uh, Montgomery Alabama Alabama segregation laws and her family feared for their safety um, as as news of this incident you know quickly spread. So she pled not guilty and she was given probation and while Coven wasn 't selected by the NAACP to challenge segregation laws in the youth in, in the South, mainly due to her youth. Um, she was also a single mother. Um, she did later become one of the four plaintiffs in the Browder v Gale case, which ruled that the the Montgomery segregated bus system was un, unconstitutional so everybody sort of knows Rosa Parks, and obviously she did a lot um, to fight segregation but um, Claudette Colvin definitely uh, really started the, the the movement with that in Montgomery. Um, another another really important woman, uh, Jane Adams, and and not not talking about the wife of John Adams. So she certainly was. Uh, um, a great, a great person. But um, Jane Addams was a suffragette, settlement house founder, peace activist, and Nobel Peace Prize winner. And she was really non-traditional. She sort of rejected marriage and motherhood, and kind of in favor of this lifetime commitment to social reform, if you would. Uh, she was really good friends with a woman named Ellen Gates Starr. They traveled to England in 1881, and they were really inspired by the famed um, Toynbean Hall in London, which was a special area, the special facility that was meant to help poor people. So in 1889, they moved into an old mansion in an immigrant neighborhood in Chicago, and that's where um, Adams lived for the rest of her life. So Hall House, as, as it was named, it kind of, you know, essentially like a safe place. It provided a place for immigrants of diverse communities to gather. And Adams and other Hall House residents sponsored legislation to abolish child labor, establish juvenile courts, limit the hours of working women, recognize labor unions, uh, make school attendance complete and also worked on, on safer working conditions in factories. So she did a lot of, of work just to make sure that uh, women and children had a better life. Um, another another important woman, um, this time looking at, at sports, Mildred Didrickson Zaharias. She was also known as Babe. She played her way into national fame in 1932, and that's when she actually entered the U.S. Women's Track and Field Championship. She was the only member of her team because back then women didn't really compete. And even though she competed in these events alone, she won a lot of different events. Um, she w- actually went on to compete in the 1932 LA Olympics, and she won two gold medals and a silver medal. So uh, for all you female athletes and for, for young girls out there that, uh, you know, are really into sports. We've been fortunate enough to have a lot of female role models, but she was kind of the original, um, badass, you know, sports, sports star. Um, so yeah, really interesting stuff. Um, another one, um, moving on to, to some LGBTQ activists, um, definitely Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Ray Rivera, um, really prominent, activists in, in New York City in, in the 1960s, and really instrumental members in, in the gay rights movement. So Johnson is said to have resisted arrest and, and thrown uh, actually a bottle at police during the 1969 Stonewall riots. And that sparked a kind of this national LGBTQ movement. And Rivera, who was a, a civil rights activist, she was a feminist, pacifist uh, et cetera founded the Gay Liberation Front and the gay gay activist Alliance and also was a participant in the in the Stonewall riots as well and really together in, in the early 1970s they they co-founded star which was the street Transvestite action revolutionaries and worked with a lot of homeless transgender people and also drag uh, drag queens and women of, of of color and we know that Unfortunately, Johnson's body uh, was found in the Hudson River in 1992, um, shortly after the 92 Pride March. Um, her death was, was originally ruled a suicide, but uh, friends reported seeing her, her being harassed uh, earlier in, in the day. And so there's a lot of suspicion around uh, what caused her death. And, and Rivera died uh, in, in 2002. But these are just some of the obviously amazing women that have graced history and really continue to inspire us today. And, and we're really fortunate to, if we really dig into history, we, sh- we shouldn't have to dig. It should just be sort of presented in, in, in history books. But we're really fortunate to have had such amazing accomplishments by, by some really amazing women. Now that we've had a chance to look at some important women, let's dig into the history that's behind Women's History Month. So, okay, when did it start? Uh, Women's History Month was initially actually just International Women's Day. It was a day that commemorated the the February 28th meeting of socialites and suffragists in, in Manhattan in 1909. And one year later, according this is according to BBC, on March 8, 1910, a German activist named Clara Zetkin suggested that they recognize International Women's Day as an international conference of working women in Copenhagen with about 17 countries in attendance at the conference they all agreed that this would be good so the next year the same date march 8th um the first international women's day was celebrated in austria switzerland germany denmark and it's true the holiday wasn't widely celebrated in the u.s until well the 1970s but uh this was sort of the the start of of something big uh, fast forward to 1977, uh, in order to persuade school principals to comply with a recently passed Title IX, a task force in California actually created Women's History Week. They used that week to celebrate the accomplishments of women. So we celebrate Women's History Month to remind ourselves of the accomplishment of women throughout the years to our culture and our society, and whether it's science or politics, it's sort of a chance to reflect on the trailblazing women who led the way for change. And really the U.S. has celebrated Women's History Month every single March since about the, the late 70s, early 80s. So let's take a look about some of the, the kind of founders, the mover, movers and shakers of it. So, you know, in, in the mid 20th century, um, obviously there was a, a big women's right movement and Um, Obviously, with the fight to to vote and just, you know, the right to work outside of the house, that was really a big, a big kickstarter. Um, But in terms of actually getting any type of federal recognition, it took a lot of work. Um, Again, first it started with the task force in California. And then a lot of women's group really actively lobbied the government to recognize it officially. The first victory came in 1980 when President Jimmy Carter declared the first National Women's History Week was going to be every single year from March uh, 2nd to March 8th. And he basically said, you know, this is a great opportunity for us to really understand Inequality and also really celebrate the what women have done uh, over over the past decades and, and centuries. The next year, in 1981, uh, Democratic Representative Mar- Barbara Mikulski of Maryland uh, actually paired with the Re- Republican Senator Orrin Hatch of U- Utah, and they sponsored this bipartisan bill to declare that the, the week of March 8th National Women's History Week. So the week-long celebration was going to take place annually until um, 1987 when congress actually followed the lead of several u.s states and they passed a joint resolution Declaring the entire month of Women's uh, of March to be Women's History Month, so uh, really, it's been official um, since the nineteen eighties. So, just a couple couple of dates to look at: um, nineteen thirteen, March third, nineteen thirteen. That was the first major march on Washington by suffragettes, hoping to to obviously uh, get the right to vote. Uh, March 1917, the National Women's Party was formed, and that, that group was dedicated uh, basically to women's rights and um, women, again, having the right to, to vote. And March 22nd, 1972, that was when the Equal Rights Amendment was passed in the Senate. So in the years since the 70s and 80s, obviously the push to recognize and include women uh, in the study of history has continued. And in 1999, a National Women's History Commission was created by by then President Bill Clinton, and it recommended recommended initiatives to find sort of hidden women uh, in museums and archives, uh, establish statewide women's history initiatives, incorporate women's history more in education, and really focus on a lot of different women, so women of color, transgendered women, or just women from across different societies and. And across different different ways of life. So uh, is there a lot more work to do? Absolutely. But it's good to know that things are are moving and moving in the right place. So this week I didn't really have anything for Ask a Black friends. So I wanted to get a little bit political, particularly since it's Women's History Month and this affects women. Uh, well, men as well, but... Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Roe v. Wade. So obviously a lot of people have been having the conversation about what is going to happen if Roe v. Wade gets overturned. How is that going to affect women? So obviously the background of this is that on December 1st, the U.S. Supreme Court heard oral arguments for Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, which is the case challenging Mississippi's 15-week ban against most abortions. And during the arguments, Mississippi's attorney general asked the court to either undo Roe v. Wade, which, of course, is, you know, it's the landmark decision. It's, it's been the lay of the land for 50 years. Or, in the very least, modify the ruling so there are no longer any protections around having abortion before fetal viability, which occurs around um, 24 weeks of, of pregnancy. So, Despite the the political controversy, and there's obviously a lot of rhetoric that always goes around, um, recent polls, actually, there's a poll that came out this past year, indicated that actually 80% of Americans support abortion in all or most cases, and at least 60% support Roe v. Wade. So it's going to be interesting to see how the court goes. But, you know, that being said, well, abortion is is common. Um, three quarters of u s abortion patients are low income and and more than half of them are people of color and they already face significant financial and logistical barriers in accessing a lot of essential health care and I'm not just talking about uh access to abortion but just f- services for for women in general, whether it be you know mammograms or or access to contraception or, or things like that so if Roe v. Wade were to be undone, the legality of abortion would be up to each individual state, and obviously not every state is is created equal. So, according to the Guttmacher Institute, which is is in um, New York City, twenty six states are likely to either ban or severely limit access to abortion, similar to to Mississippi, if um, Roe v. Wade were to be to be overturned. So, I I think obviously everyone. Can sort of agree. I would. I would think um, that no one wants to an abortion. I don't think it's anything that women ever want to do. I think everyone wants to see the rates of abortion go down. Uh, but I think the disagreement usually boils down to those who are in favor of closing abortion clinics because they think that's going to prevent abortions, versus those who want women to actually have access to safe and affordable abortions in the case that they, they need to have it. So I think banning abortions doesn't actually stop people from having, and I think it just stops women from getting the proper medical care and attention that they need. And one of the central elements, obviously, of Roe v. Wade is that the state and the federal governments cannot ban abortion before viability, right? The point in which a fetus could theoretically survive outside the pregnancy. So again, that's 20, I'm not a scientist, but 23 or 24 weeks uh, gestation. So I guess the thing that's most concerning is that if Roe v. Wade is overturned, ab- abortion would still be safe and legal for those who could afford it and for those in states who would make it so. Because obviously there are still going to be some states that would, would keep it um, you know, as, as it is. But the devica- devastating consequences of such a decision, decision would fall primarily on the so- shoulders of those who would not be able to bear it and those in states that uh, are already in poverty or don't have access to a lot of these services. So I think it's gonna be a really, really interesting thing to see. Uh, obviously, you know, I, I'm somebody that, not to get super political, but as I said, it is Women's History Month. Uh, I think it's something that's really important to to keep on the books because I think obviously I, I would say most women know at least one woman who has had an abortion. And obviously we probably know more women who have felt like they couldn't say anything. Um, but the women that I know who have had abortions, fortunately they all had access to, to safe and legal abortions. And I, I believe that... If they hadn't had access, they still would have gone ahead and gotten abortion anyways. I don't think that it being illegal would have made them not get it. So I I think it's fortunate that people are able to uh, actually get the medical care and the the services that they need in a time where they feel like they they need to make that that decision. So I think it's one of those things where obviously we understand that no one wants a lot of we don't want a high rate of abortion, you know. But it's I think it's one of those things where, if people are against abortion, then they they probably shouldn't get one. But um, it's important to make sure that those who need to get one are able to to still have access to it. So that's my political political piece of of the week. Uh, so. Um changing changing gears here, um to to wrapping up the end of, of this week's podcast, I wanted to leave it on um on the a, a positive note and I wanted to leave with a quote from Katherine Johnson. So for those of you who might have seen uh The movie uh, Hidden Figures, which was a a great film that came out several years ago. Um, Katherine Johnson was a mathematician. She was one of the first African-American women to work as a NASA scientist. Um, And she did things that the men, the white men, couldn't do. Um, But she said, girls are capable of doing anything and everything men are capable of doing. Sometimes they have more imagination than men. So um, that's, again, a quote by Katherine Johnson. And uh, happy Women's History Month. Happy March. And as always, thank you for listening. I'll see you next time.